I'm Leslie Torres. And I'm Bronna Marks. And together we co-host West Coast Mix and Bounce. For all things West Coast NBA. That's right. We cover the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, and yes, the Kings and the Suns. When there's something good to talk about. We have a new and fun episode every two weeks where we break down the craziest headlines in the NBA that pertain to the West Coast teams. We are such a niche podcast that you won't find anywhere else. I mean, two girls with experience in the field talking West Coast basketball. Um, yeah, you want to listen. This is West Coast Mix and Bounce brought to you by LAFB Network. Hey guys, welcome back to West Coast Mix and Bounce, and we have a full show for episode for you guys. We're going to be talking about the storylines that are hitting right now in the NBA. The Lakers have lost two games back-to-back, so we're going to be talking about um, what kind of weaknesses they've been having in their game, if any, which I think we, we found some. There's mm-hmm. all have also um, been kind of playing well and there's a few stars that are kind of showing potential who can actually um, help the Warriors win if that's their game plan and then we're going to be talking about the Clippers are they really unstoppable this season we'll dig into that (laughs) (laughs) we're also going to be talking about of course all-star voting the all-star game what's up with that and we have breaking news of Candace Parker leaving the LA Sparks, which we will also get into towards the end. But first, let's just go ahead and start with the Lakers losing back-to-back. Have they shown a weakness? Brana, I'm going to let you start because I don't want to <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I was shaking in my boots, honestly. That first game they lost of that two-game losing streak is so funny to say two-game losing streak, but that's a lot for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and LeBron last year, he always said, we don't want to lose more than two games. And thank God they were able to barely, barely, barely skim by the Celtics and break that two-game losing streak. But yeah, I think we have uh, seen a few weaknesses from those two losses because one, I don't think most people expected it. And like you said, as a Laker fan, it kind of stung just just a a little bit, a little bit of a shocker to see that they actually are like, oh my God, they're human. Like they, they still have things to learn about each other and a system to adjust to, especially, um, you know, when it comes down to when they're missing players or they don't have a full roster available or et cetera, like what are they going to do under pressure? What are their weaknesses look like under pressure? And we got a perfect uh, example of that uh, versus the 76ers. Let me just turn there my notes, my pages of notes. Um, So they lost that game on the 28th. AD was out against the Pistons. Sorry, that was the Pistons. Let me start with the 76ers because that was their first loss. Um, so, yeah, I think watching them, watching that game, it looked like they kind of went in there with this confidence, this swagger. They're like, oh, we're at the 76ers. Like, you know, we beat them before. We could beat them again. It's just, you know, it's just Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and whatever. We could go in there and do it. And I think what 
we figured out is that no, no, you cannot walk into every game thinking that, <laughs> especially with such a physical team like the 76ers. You're talking about a flagrant called on LeBron. That was his first flagrant since 2014. What did you think about that? I felt like he used a two-hand push on Embiid. I'm not sure if you saw it. And it looked a tad aggressive, definitely. Hmm. I mean, I... For me, I enjoyed it (laughs) because I I like to see, well, at least for the Lakers, they were not as aggressive to start the game. So I felt like kind of when that happened, the momentum kind of shifted for them. Like like you mentioned, like they were like, oh, it's just the 76ers. I mean, they are the number one um, team in the East. So we're not going to take them like they didn't take them as seriously as they should. And so when I saw that play, I mean, it did look aggressive, but I mean, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I like the players are into it. And, and to see that from LeBron, who usually doesn't kind of play, that's not his style of play. I kind of saw like he was then frustrated and he needed to do something or as a team or himself to stop Embiid. And uh, I, I didn't think it was that bad. But it wasn't what I was used to to see from LeBron. So maybe it kind of it was kind of out of character. So I can see why they would be like, no, this is this should be a you know number two instead of number one, or you know, or ejected. I don't know. I think they just I don't know. Embiid. I feel like Embiid has played with many people before, so he should know a little bit better. I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, I I think it was the right call. I think because, I mean, we all know that Philly, they're a very gritty team and they all like to use their bodies. That's not a Mm -hmm. secret uh, as far as the NBA goes. And they didn't get to that top spot without being a little physical. But I think one of the major issues was, one, the confidence, and then, two, um, just in their last few games, they've been getting, the Lakers in general have had a lot of turnovers for them. I think they're averaging like a little over 13, yes, 13.9 turnovers per game, which is too much. That's 19 Mm -hmm. in the NBA. Uh, And if they want to be that championship caliber team, they have to handle the ball better. And you can tell that when LeBron is trying to act like the facilitator instead of just being, you know, his Mm -hmm. big man scoring. Like, yes, we all understand that you can play every position, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you should play every position. Um, And they only shot, the Lakers shot 33% from three-point range, which is trash, (laughs) especially for them. They may not be always on point as far as their behind-the-arc shots, but definitely against a team like the 76ers that's probably going to be more aggressive in the paint, then you got to make sure that you're aware of where you're shooting on the floor and what's going to be open. Um, And I think they learned that the hard way. I think that what scared me the most was when after that, I was like, okay, LeBron's going to take this personally. (laughs) You know, he's going to come back. He's going to kill it against um, the Pistons. And then since AD was out, and I don't think AD may have played to his top tier against the 76ers, 
Mm-hmm. He played, right? Yeah. So yeah, he played, and that was also the game after Kobe Bryant's death, with I think probably mentally, spiritually, kind of um, just yeah. yeah, touched the Lakers a little bit for them to go out there right after having such an emotional, you know, remembrance of a day, um, and then go to the Pistons, and it's like, oh, now you're out, you're top top player ad and it's like now they have to adjust more so what were some of the weaknesses you think you saw like the most with between those two losses yeah i mean you kind of mentioned it they offensively they were poor their turnovers were too many and i feel like they kind of lack aggression and it's and not like the whole time but they start off with sometimes they start off these games by being either too cocky or too confident and they they are aggressive too late into the game and you can't do that especially when you're playing a team like the 76ers I'm not talking about the Pistons obviously they they're on the the lower side of the Eastern Conference but when you're playing like the 76ers you have to come out strong you have to come out aggressive and it was like and you and we saw like how they adjusted from the first half to the second half. In the first half, they were letting Joel Embiid like put up a campfire in the paint. Like they were letting him get in there doing whatever he wanted in the first quarter. Embiid got to the line 13 times. And so that to me was shocking because out of the 26 free throws the 76ers had, 13 came from Embiid by himself. So yeah, they were not doing a great job defending the paint. AD did play, so it was kind of up to other players. I would say like Mark Gasol, who was maybe not as aggressive as he should have been. But it's really like I feel like it's a mentality thing. Like you mentioned, they just didn't come out strong. They didn't come out aggressive, and I feel like it's been a it's been kind of like a story with them with most teams. They wait until the end, they make a huge run, and then they win. Mm. Not not happen this time around for them which kind of makes sense because you really don't want to you don't want to do that because then you have Tobias Harris make a buzzer beater shot and then you lose so exactly you if you are the top champs you are the top team you're the returning NBA champions aggression being aggressive and staying on the ball and on point should be how you start not how you end it just because you don't want it to get that close. And with the Pistons, I mean, I feel like they should, honestly, they should have won that game. But I feel like maybe either they were tired, like you mentioned, their mentality wasn't there with other stuff happening. Um, But LeBron was aggressive, like like you said. And then after that, in the second half against the Pistons, he only made two points. So he he changed his role from being like hot, making all his shots, then going only two points, trying to get his, the rest of the team included. And at some point, LeBron has to realize that he needs to be the one making the baskets and not facilitating for everybody else. Exactly. And I think that's kind of something that he needs to learn or the opposing teams are going to find a way to make him be that facilitator and take advantage of that. Because if you can stop LeBron, then you're kind of messing with the momentum and rhythm that the Lakers have. So um, I feel like that's a weakness that they definitely exposed to us, which I'm not so happy about, but it can be easily fixed. So am I worried as a fan or as a just, yeah, just as a fan of the sport, I'm not too worried. I feel like LeBron is LeBron. Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis. The rest of the team kind of have to do also 
be at the same level, especially if LeBron is trying to pass you the ball or if Anthony Davis is out. So I feel like it was a combination of things. Definitely scary to see them lose two in a row, though. (laughs) Yeah, definitely terrifying. And we also have to, you know, take into consideration not only the fact that they're playing under completely different circumstances with Mm -hmm. COVID precautions and guidelines. I think uh, what a lot of people haven't noticed is that they were on a seven-game away trip. That's a lot of games to be just traveling on the road. Um, And I think it could be not only, one, exhausting, but, two, it's like you can't find a consistency, you can't find a flow. And the thing is they started off great. They were, like, five and four in the beginning of that road trip. And then after when, you know, um, AD got hurt, he sat out, they were missing a few people. It's kind of like everything kind of started to like fall apart a little bit. Um, And that's when they ended up with two L's in a row on the road. But other than that, they've won 11 of their last 14 games. So like you said, are, are we worried? Eh, but have we seen their weakens with their weaknesses? Definitely. And like you said, they also have that issue of they'll start off slow, they'll try to keep the pace, and then at the end of the game, oh, you know, they they want to go on a run. And it's like sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. Uh, versus the Nuggets, their most recent game, um, they went on a 19-0 run in the second half that kind of stretched that lead for them. And they were able to hold in strong with somebody against Nikola um, and Jamal Murray. And their defense was also completely different. They they held Jokic to 13 points. And, I mean, he's averaging 26 this season. So you can tell, you can literally tell the difference when they're they're playing like the number one defensive team in the league or are they playing like not the number one defensive team in the league? Basically, yep, exactly. and LeBron said, you know, he acknowledged that. He was like, that's who we are, and that's how who we want to continue to be. And defense wins games. I mean, everybody knows that. Uh, but not the other weakness, I, I believe, is that, like, getting lax and bringing in that confidence, just to reiterate what you were saying. And during the Nuggets, again, you saw the same issue. They came mm-hmm. back from a 21-point deficit, Um, which was most in the franchise history after trailing by at least double digits at halftime. So they had to come all the way back like two times over to actually beat the Nuggets instead of staying in a consistent flow and not relying on these, you know, 20-0 runs. Um, And I think that could get exhausting, especially heading into the postseason when you don't have as many breaks and, you know, you don't have as much downtime to kind of re-up your players. It's like, is that weakness going to trickle off in the playoffs? And we're going to see maybe injury-prone AD, maybe injury-prone um, LeBron, Kuz. Like, you know, they have to figure out who's going to step up into that facilitatingly because I feel like that's always a major weakness for them is when they don't really know who to pick as far as to open up the floor uh, they look a mess and they drop two in a row. And the same thing happened against the Celtics when they, I literally almost had a heart attack 
<laughs> like the last few seconds of that game because I was like please don't drop three in a row please please you're not this kind of team <laughs> um and the fact that they were able to they were able to stop Daniel Thies who went up not only for a follow-up shot I'm not sure who who shot it first but he got the offensive rebound which is like one, there's a few seconds in the game. Why are you not on top of the ball like, you know, a fly on on rice or something like that on, on a piece of garbage? Like, why are you not, like, <laughs> there? I feel like they, they're lacking that um, – what's the word that I'm looking for? Just that, like, timed reaction. I feel like they're, they have these delayed reactions <laughs> on the floor. And I'm just like, are you guys awake? Are you sleeping? <laughs> I think it's just what you said. They're just tired. I feel like it's kind of, I feel like now it's catching up to them. And I remember we were, uh, we were talking about this like a few podcast episodes ago. Um, they they were getting their wins. They were getting these um, wins by a lot of points. They were resting their players. And now as of late, they've been getting really close games. And I feel like they're just getting tired. And it makes sense. They've literally only had like a few months uh, less than two months I think or about two months to rest and now they start a new season they're like trying to win they're trying to get the best possible um season and it's just like I, I feel like maybe it could be just that they're getting tired and if that's the key to beat the Lakers oh the, you're right when it comes playoff time they're gonna want to go to a game seven get them as tired as possible and mm -hmm. not let them win because that's probably gonna be the only way <laughs> <laughs> any team is going to get by them but um yeah I feel like they're just tired the, the more we talk about this I feel like they're just really tired and I don't know that sucks because now they're not even getting their all-star break that were they were promised which we yeah. will get into later <laughs> yes we will definitely get into that so yeah if exhaustion is like their key week is their like kryptonite then wow definitely in trouble as far as a playoff run goes but um I am excited to see like that the Celtics and the Lakers kind of like re-up their their rivalry oh, just yeah, a little sure. bit I and love, I love those matchups yeah it was it was exciting as it was as like almost heartbreaking <laughs> <laughs> I was either gonna cry of joy or of sadness one of those two it was 50 50 <laughs> It was 50-50, and it was super close. And, and that's not also to say that, you know, the Celtics are not a great team. They're definitely a great team, and they're definitely a contender uh, mm -hmm. as far as, like, championship, playoffs, et cetera. They're, they're not a team to play with. And like I said, the Lakers are – they're going to have to learn and get it together. I think something promising that came out of that Celtics game was that the bench outscored the – the Lakers bench outscored the Celtics bench 35 to 15. Mm -hmm. So little things like that are what's going to accelerate that team by winning by one or two or three. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure, definitely. And there's an, and the Warriors, I think, they're also kind of up there for being a little bit more competitive. And um, they're bench players, in, in, like, in a way to say it, they have breakout stars who are kind of right now setting a new kind of tone for the Warriors. I feel like there's has definitely been some change, some momentum. The Warriors are currently eighth in the West, so they're tied with the Spurs right now. And that means they they qualify for the play because well, 
This is a completely different season. So there's a play-in tournament this season. So they technically qualify right now. And I feel like there's been some players who have broken out. One of them has definitely has to be Kelly Oubre Jr. I think um, he's just had one of his best games, I think, ever in his career. He had 40 points, eight rebounds, and two assists against the Mavericks last night, Thursday. And they beat the Mavs 147 to 116. So it was definitely a great game, a great momentum for Oubre Jr., who I think has the potential to be that breakout player for the Warriors. It's just that he's kind of been inconsistent. And I, in a way, I feel like it's kind of understandable. He's been moved around a lot in the, cap, in the last season. There's been trade rumors regarding him, if not every other week. So I feel like it's kind of hard for him to kind of sit set a tone for himself. But I yeah. feel like that game has been a kind of like a reset for him. He's found some kind of motivation. Or maybe he's finally getting into the rhythm with the way that the Warriors play. But if the if it's a big if, but if the Warriors make the playoffs and they still have Kelly Oubre Jr., I think he's gonna be one of those players that stand out, especially when they go to their like small ball lineup, which they I think they just did against the Mavs because they were without a center. So I feel like when they kind of play like that in that kind of style, they have the potential to have more breakout stars. I have Kelly Humphrey Jr. Who do you think is another like potential star for the Warriors? Yeah, I would say James Wiseman yep. is, is definitely my number one breakout. I mean, he came into this season still a rookie, starting lineup. You know, he's averaging about 53% from field goal range. Um, and sadly, the team decided to take him out of the starting lineup and replace him with uh, Kevin Looney, who actually ended up getting hurt. And then, like you said, they're now they're kind of focusing on the small ball issue. But yeah. Wiseman, I think it's good for his development to not be like, yeah, you're going to be our starting man every time, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. He, he has to understand that he has to learn uh, from vets like Kevin now, Kevin looks like a completely different player than Wiseman, and I think that his dynamic works a little better with what Kerr and, you know, Curry and um, other players in the lineup kind of focus on. And we've always known that the Warriors, they're a shooting team. They like to shoot the three ball. Uh, you know, Curry is leading almost leading the NBA in three points made. He's number two right now, and he's averaging 28.2 points per game. And he leads that energy. He leads that focus that we're a guard-led team. You know, we want to shoot the ball. And Wiseman is not that kind of player yet. But I think if they do kind of keep him on this in and out as far as uh, the starting lineup are introducing him later in the game that he will adjust and figure out what that role looks like to him in a different way because he's used to playing that average tall man points in the paint. That's all he's really worried about. Yeah. But it's just like he has to become that player where he's not only just going aggressively to the basket, but he's giving assists and he's creating room and he's... um 
you know, focusing on pick and rolls. That's how the Warriors play. So it's not to say that Wiseman is a bad player because, no, he's actually an amazing player, uh, especially especially at such a young age. But I think he has to just understand that the Warriors dynamic of playing and how he played in college is two completely different things. But he's definitely I would definitely say that he's also a breakout star. And I definitely agree with Kelly. I mean, how can you not? <laughs> no, I'm with you with Wiseman, too, because we also have to remember and it, I feel I I read it that in college, he only played like, I think very little, he played very little in college. So he is amazing, but he has little experience, I would say. And so with the Warriors, and I feel like maybe you share this sentiment with me, but the Warriors are very good at getting players, developing them from the, from the D league, from the Warriors and kind of making them and fitting them into their own style of play. And they're kind of, I feel like that's what they're kind of doing with Wiseman. It's like, we're not going to start you, but you're going to learn. You're going to learn yeah. from Juan Green. We've seen him, like, you know, talking and coaching him up. You're going to learn that from, you're going to learn this from Green. You're going to learn this from Curry. And then you're going to learn a little bit of everything from everybody. And eventually, he will get it. And the fact that he's been improving, that means he's getting it. And he's sending, it's going into a rhythm. And also, I feel like he's going to get a lot of help from Wiggins. I mean, who would know the best? Who would be, like, you oh, know, the right. best player to teach him about the pressure of being a top NBA draft pick better than Wiggins? So I'm sure he's learning a lot from from everybody. But I agree, his athleticism, his ability to shoot, it's kind of starting to show. Does he need help in some areas? Yeah, he needs to, like you mentioned, create space on the floor, make create shots for not only himself, but for other players. And I feel like that's what the Warriors are going to teach him. And if he continues to do so, I think he's he has the opportunity to be a really great star for the Warriors. So not even as a trading piece, but just a star for the Warriors, period. Definitely, definitely. And I think continuing kind of on that small ball uh, possibility for the Warriors, Mm -hmm. which is so, I mean, it's odd to think of, but it's really not surprising. It's like everything happens for a reason. I mean, they literally lost all their possible centers (laughs) and the Mavs, the Mavs games, just how, just how like the Lakers have had these games that they, you could see their weaknesses. The Warriors are starting to have these games where you can see their strengths. And, and that's the difference in how this season is playing on growth for I feel like each team it's like the unexpected is happening and then it's like okay wow this is how the season is gonna look um considering the fact that we didn't really get to see a preseason they didn't get to really go to training camp so it's like everybody's learning on the fly and Mm -hmm. uh, teams look so much more different and I was having this conversation on clubhouse I'm not sure if you're on clubhouse but I was listening to this conversation about how no. <laughs> yes, I was turning up. I'm Where not- are going? <laughs> no, so Clubhouse is this like listening app. It's like people just hold discussions and you kind of just sit around and listen. It's like a formal Zoom or something like that. Oh, um, but cool. if anybody has Clubhouse, feel free to follow me, guys. I just be in here, you know, creeping are we, are on. Are being promoted by Clubhouse? Damn, I need me to look it up. I know, right? <laughs> Give us a sponsorship. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, the Warriors. So their <laughs> small ball lineup. Uh, I think two other players, like you said, coming off of the bench, not necessarily in the starting lineup, are 
Juan, if I, listen, if I butcher these names, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Juan Toscano Anderson. Perfect. And Kent, oh, look at me. <laughs> Kent Bazemore um, have been the two most talked about players within the last, like, couple games. Just mm-hmm. recently. I was like, wait, who? <laughs> like, I really had to, like, look into these guys. I was like, okay, they're coming off the bench. Um, and we said this, we said this last year that, the Warriors, um, they picked up a lot of these guys who were probably no names and just kept them around and were like, we're going to develop you and you're going to figure it out. And look at them figuring it out. Potential, uh, yep. Toscano Anderson, he had 14 points versus the Mavs. He shot six of eight, two of four from three point. And um, he had, he was team high plus 26. So... Wow. And it seems the more minutes he gets, the more points he gets. So in the last few games where he played over 25-plus minutes, he was able to average 16 points, five rebounds, and three assists. And these are guys, you know, nobody was paying attention to before the fact that the Warriors lost, like, 30% of their lineup. (laughs) So now that these guys are getting this opportunity to come to the floor, it's like, wow, the Warriors really do have depth it's not just you know curry and dre and wiggins um there's other players that come in second third string that have the possibility to make a difference on the floor and uh you know even in warrior losses we're seeing these guys step up it's not just curry uh they're learning from curry of course but they're it's a difference between learning and actually like exemplifying that example (laughs) that makes sense yeah I mean I and it's funny because unless you don't cover the Warriors I'm pretty sure we you don't know who these other players are and it's like and then you see them and you're like oh wait well he's actually pretty good or he's actually making shots or yeah his defense is on point and then it kind of shows you like the Warriors have been working like they're working when nobody's watching and you have these players just come out and then for us they become like these breakout stars that we see but for them it's just like oh we've been having these players like on lock we just you know getting them ready for this exact moment so um the warriors definitely coming out with players that should we should that should be on our radar <laughs> exactly Exactly. And the, and the fact that a lot of these players just alone in the Mavs, their entire, every single player on the Warriors was plus, was in the plus category. So that just tells you that their development is developing. Like we're, we're moving forward. They're not looking as sad and, you know, <laughs> dilapidated as they were before yeah. that. They're not, like, yeah, like at the beginning of the season when the whole injury and everything happened, like everybody... I feel like even myself, I was like, oh, my God, that sucks. Like, poor Warriors. Now it's just like, mm. <laughs> right, right. I shouldn't have felt sorry for them. <laughs> no, none of us. I mean, none of us should ever count out the Warriors, especially when they have at least one of their team leaders in the lineup. So hopefully uh, Curry, fingers crossed, knock on wood, all that good stuff. As long as he stays healthy and they kind of have that pinpoint for their team, I feel like they'll be able to grow and and kind of move up the ranking. Now, like you said, are we thinking like championship warriors? <laughs> uh, but we're talking better than last year, and that's better than nothing. 
that's an improvement, right? Yeah, I think there's another team that is improving as well. Should we talk about them? Yes, we should. (laughs) The Clippers. (laughs) Are they really unstoppable? Um, They're currently tied for second in the West with the Lakers. They went on a seven-game winning streak, have currently won four out of their five last games. The only one that they lost was against the Nets, and that was a very close one. So um, what are we thinking? Like, this is the season for them. They're finally going to be playoff championship run. Like, are they winning it this year? (laughs) I think the Clippers are, I believe the Clippers are really on cruise control right now because they look so comfortable and so happy And it's like a breath of fresh air for, I feel like, not only that franchise, but the players, the staff, the coaches, everybody, because they're not struggling as much. And not, you know, not struggling is because they're being consistent with their players, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that, you know, they had players out for COVID protocol and um, they had people like Beverly sit out for knee soreness. The fact that they were on a seven-game winning streak is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Uh, Granted, like, in our last episode, we talked about how some of their games weren't really significant to the fact of that streak. Um, And a lot of them were played at home, so they had that, that court advantage. And a lot of teams, they played twice, three times in that same streak. So it's like, yes, they look good, but what's going to happen when they have, when they're playing like the Lakers for seven games? Oh, <laughs> or, I'm so glad you mentioned it. Cause I was know, like, if I say it, I'm going to sound like a hater, but I'm so glad. No, you <laughs> but it's, it is, it's true. It's true or, yeah. or, you know, whoever their East coast opponent is like, they're going to play Boston uh, next on, is that happening right now? I think yeah. It's yeah, so they're going to play the Celtics. So that's going to be kind of a big game to see how they spar up against them because that's actual tough competition. And the fact that this season is literally like almost, I mean, close to over because it's shortened. Uh, well, they have 15, they have 15 games until the until the end of the season. I believe yeah. it ends in March. So the fact that we're so close to the end, it's like, okay, how is this going to end for them? Now it's not really, it's like, we already know what they kind of look like, what their strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, Kwai and Paul George are obviously still leading the team. They're number five in the NBA for threes made. They're number four defensively as a team. They're Number four, I can't even understand what I wrote here, but they're like top five in a lot of these top stats and they have major players also leading in the league. So it's like they're set. They have all their strengths that they need. So at the end of the day, it's like how do they pair up against top caliber teams? And like you said, against the Nets, they definitely didn't look (laughs) better than the Nets. The Nets outscored them. Mm -hmm. They outplayed them. um, And they showed them from the beginning that, you know, y'all are not the only team trying to be the only team. (laughs) No, yeah, I agree with that. That's basically what I had written down. I was like, you can't, like, I didn't want to rain on their parade, but, like, you, they lost to the Nets. 
Mm-hmm. Close game, yes, but there was still loss. But you can't tell me you're unstoppable until you don't beat a team who is like top tier of their conference. Like so they have right now, they're playing the Celtics, granted without Paul George, but that's that's different. Beat the Celtics and then beat the Jazz, maybe then I will deem you unstoppable. (laughs) But, like, until then, um, I can't really... I I feel like they're definitely on a rhythm. They are... Their synergy is on. Paul George and Kawhi are, like... They're kind of vibing now. They're, like, their growth and their self-confidence with themselves and the trust with each other, I think, is growing. And, like, Paul George right now is just, like, on a different level. He's found his, like, sweet spot beyond the arc. I think in that game, the Clippers against the Cavs, he was 8 of 9 from three-point range. So he's, like, mm-hmm. shooting. He's comfortable out there, which I think kind of has been an issue in past seasons. We, like, his shoulders were not okay. His injuries haven't been, like, 100. So I feel like maybe this is a season where he's finally he- feeling healthy, kind of like Kawhi as well. And Kawhi has been, I think, a lot better as well. He's improved offensively. Like, they just feel, like you said, like, relaxed, comfortable with each other. For Kawhi's case, I feel like maybe having Ibaka out there is, has kind of helped him. Because I really I really haven't watched Clippers games. But the games that I have watched, they have – Kawhi just has – I don't know, like, this – I don't know. Like maybe Baca's his good luck charm, but when they're mm-hmm. out there together, he just kind of feels comfortable and confident in his teammates. And I think like you would think that having Paul George out there will kind of make him comfortable, but it's that Ibaka Leonard chemistry that I think brings out the best in Kawhi. And I just I enjoy next time you watch a Clippers game, like watch. But Leonard, like, loves, I feel, like, he secretly loves when Ibaka kind of sets him up on um, on a pick-and-roll. Because he's, like, you, he's either, if he's double-teamed, he's going to end up going to the basket. If not, he has the confidence in his teammate to push it back and be like, oh, well, I'll just give it to Serge, and he's going to bank the shot. Like, no problem. So I feel like mm-hmm. I kind of noticed that. And it just brings a different dynamic to the Clippers as a whole. Because then you have... If you have Kawhi happy, you have Paul George shooting exceptionally well. It just flows to the rest of the team. And you can see that progress is being made also with their bench players, which is different for them. And I feel like maybe this could be their year if they keep it together. Could be. I don't want it to be, but it could Mm be. Could be. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean... I mean, it, this is as perfect as a situation that you can get with the team. This is as close as it's going to get. But let's talk next episode. If they beat the Celtics, what happens with the Jazz? We'll see. Because I might as well take all everything I said. I'll take it back. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind being wrong in this case. I will take it back. <laughs> you know, we have no problem on this podcast poking fun and laughing at the Clippers. <laughs> so don't even feel bad. We're going to give them their little praise now because they've earned it so far. But we will quickly snatch that necklace right back. So don't play with us. <laughs> you should rename the podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Where we hate the Clippers and we love the Lakers. No. <laughs> uh, but I, I think just a quick um, correction. I think in March ends the first half of the season. Because the second half of the season, I the schedule hasn't been released yet that I know of. 
So I feel like after All-Star week or that All-Star game is when the second half of the season starts and then playoff starts in May. I think that's how it goes. Don't quote me just because it's a whole different season. I know it's shortened by 10 games. Okay. That's but, what I was like. I was looking at this and I was like, March. Yeah. In March. I was like, no, this I was is the same thing. Because I, I was like, why is LeBron so mad? Oh, I will be mad too. <laughs> Which we're going to get into. Because I, uh, I completely forgot that All Star Weekend is moved to March instead of it. It's usually like around Valentine's Day. Yeah, so that's yeah. why I was thinking, wait, what? But same thank you. Thank you for catching that. <laughs> but just in case, like, anybody's listening and they feel like, wait, what? The game's, no, we're, the season still continues. There's still, we still have all-star the game. We're going to talk about all-star voting. Are you ready to get into the controversy that it's all-star game? <laughs> yes, I'm completely ready. <laughs> right, let's go. So then uh, the first rounds of all-star voting came in. KD, Kevin Durant, is leading overall. And I feel like much deserved. He deserves be, to be the leading vote. He has come, come back from a scary injury, you know, with his Achilles. And it's an injury that honestly should not be taken lightly. And I've seen like players don't usually come back to their same potential. He missed all of last season. So he's playing now. Like, he didn't even miss a minute at all. He's absolutely killing it with the Nets. And he honestly, he has no business to be going that hard. Like, you have Kyrie and Harden on your team. Why? Why are you trying to do this to us? But I mean, regardless, he's leading the votes, which I feel like should definitely be his spot. But fun fact, LeBron James has been the one who has led in votes for the past five seasons, which all which equals to the last seven years. So if KD were to keep going at this rate and beat LeBron, would it mean you think that there's like a new guy, like the new it guy in the NBA called Kevin Durant? I don't know. I think Kevin Durant's burner account would probably like go into flames. <laughs> If that actually happened, but uh, Katie's been not chasing, but I feel like he has been chasing a little bit of LeBron's legacy throughout his career. You know, he went to the Warriors to beat LeBron and he's he was, you know, um, always competing against him in the Western Conference. And it was always like whatever team LeBron was on, he lost and he couldn't get forward. So I think that KD has always been an amazing player um his injuries definitely caused him a setback but do I believe that he should be first uh leading all-star voting yes definitely like you said he came back from one of the worst injuries that you could possibly return from and is doing better than all of his previous seasons so Mm -hmm. the fact that not only one that he was able to come back from that injury period Two, he was able to come back even better than he has been. And honestly, it's been a very little dramatically led season for KD, which I feel like is surprising because I feel like he's always like opening his mouth and getting himself. Oh, girl, oh. have you been on Twitter? For- uh, oh, no, <laughs> like I missed it. Up, oh, God. <laughs> up right now because uh, in case you're listening, he was out 
<laughs> he was he was declared out for the the Nets game that they had um tonight, and then he was declared in, and then they told him like, no, 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 you need to get out. So right now he's like using those Twitter fingers. Ooh. Oh gosh! See, I spoke too soon. I spoke too soon. I've been trying to keep away from Twitter today. <laughs> It's like burner account. I don't need a burner account. I'm just saying on my own account. <laughs> I know. I don't even know if he deleted that account. I just remember all the drama behind it. Oh. That the fact that he had it. And he was talking was a whole funny. bunch of crap. And <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah. um, yeah, no, I I definitely believe that KD deserves that spot. Now, I under from what I understand, LeBron is also getting some fire, some heat on the whole MVP discussion. And I feel like this all-star possible game, because right now they haven't even kind of solidified what's going to happen. They said at minimum, I believe they're going to do just the all-star game one day at Atlanta. But now they're talking about like a three-point contest and... Um, something else. So it really just depends, I feel like, what they solidify. Now, LeBron already said that he does not care to be a part of All-Star Game at this point. Do... I mean, considering that we're in the middle of a pandemic, if they minimize it, I don't understand what the problem is. They've been playing this whole time outside of a bubble. They've been traveling. And they've actually, surprisingly, haven't had that many hiccups. I've the NBA already said that whatever hiccups they have had was pretty much expected. And it's not like, I don't think any team has gone maybe two or three games in a row with them having to like reschedule or postpone or whatever the the issue is. So um, just kind of looking at the list of, of all-stars just for the Western conference, I feel like everybody who's on the list definitely got their time to shine Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, just as far as who's deserving and who's undeserving. I mean, Curry's on there, James on there, Jokic. These are, these are the average guy Wiggins. um, And these are the guys that you expect to be on the list. What popped out as me is that there's no rookies on the list this year, but considering that we had like a, last minute NBA draft and that half of these guys are either not playing or playing or not averaging that many minutes to even get mm-hmm. a vote <laughs> is not all that surprising. It's a, it's a little like upsetting because it's, it's oh, you want to see a rookie get in there and do his little thing or whatever. Um, but, and I'm sure they're not going to have their, what is it called? Their young players rising stars game yes there it is rising stars because my brain uh but yeah I I think I'm okay with a minimalist all-star weekend one they're gonna get the break two I think it is a little nerve-wracking that they're allowing players to travel to like Hawaii Puerto Rico and something else like during that weekend so they can go and be free and I don't know seat the their the fruits of their labor whatever they want to do blow off steam uh so I'm hoping that does not affect the return to the actual season as far as who's going to have to quarantine is there going to be more COVID issues etc etc so they do need to the NBA needs to be careful they can't just be like oh yeah go be free and then it's like come back and it's like oh we got to cancel like 15 games because y'all don't know how to act (laughs) for sure no honestly I'm I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm mad. I don't want to, I'm mad. 
I'm with LeBron. <laughs> like, oh, I'm with LeBron. He's like, so I was with you. I was like, well, what's the problem? Like, I don't, I don't see the problem with this. And then he, according to LeBron, he said that before the season started, that they were promised or they were told they were not going to have an all-star game. So they would have a nice break, you know, those five those five days, whatever it was that was All-Star weekend, like that would be considered a break. So I'm I'm upset for him because like I don't know about you, but if I'm looking forward to something, especially it's like time like off time, so I can maybe drink some wine, eat some cheese, do some self-care, I'm gonna be mad when they tell me like no something you were looking forward to is not going to happen anymore. But I don't know if that's just me, but like I can, I feel the bronze kind of pain. And then, um, yeah, we're still de- dealing with a pandemic, but I mean, with that, I mean, they're kind of already playing. So they're already being exposed and the NBA has done a well enough job to keep the environment safe for its players and, and all that staff there. So I'm not really sure the pandemic is the issue, but I will say that like, yeah, how are you going to have, like, let's say, for example, how are you going to have LeBron play in that all-star game, like, mess up his kind of, like, five days off, and then you're going to have other players who are not, <laughs> you know, in that caliber, 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 and then they're going to be going off to Hawaii and Puerto Rico to go on vacation, maybe, or take take some time off. Like, I would be mad, too. Like, I, But I guess that just comes with the territory of being, like, one of the best players ever, maybe. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm upset. I'm a, I'm with LeBron on this one. Like I would, I would hate to ha- be looking forward to something, especially like a vacation, <laughs> and then yeah, get it taken yeah. away from you, and telling you you have to kind of show up to. It. I mean, I it's understandable because it's work. You know, I feel like right. especially in the kind of industry we we're in, we work a lot. We don't work like the same nine to five. But I would still be mad that I was told like, oh, it's not going to happen. And then it's going to happen. As a fan, though, I want to see that game. <laughs> like yeah. you said, if I'm going to see a chance to see LeBron and go against KD, possibly, and you have all these like, and you're having like MVP caliber seasons. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I want to watch that. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I understand his frustration. Am I still going to watch if it happens? Yup. <laughs> I mean, yeah. even our um, our Kings leading. Actually, I don't know if he's the leading scorer for the Kings right now, but De'Aaron Fox was. You know, he came out and he said that's stupid that they're trying to have the All Star game and everybody's gonna have their frustrations and, and their opinions. But at the end of the day, I don't. I don't think they're allowed to be like, no, I'm not playing. I'm not sure if that's a thing, if they could just opt out, if they're already, like, voted into the lineup. Uh, well, I LeBron now- said he's going to play. He's like, I, what did he say? I, I, he quoted there. He's like, I'll be there if I'm selected, but I'll be there physically, not mentally. <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> LOL. So get the full LeBron experience that we're used to. But, I mean, knowing LeBron and maybe the storylines that are going to come up out of this game – He'll probably show up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're all going to be drama kings in their own way. <laughs> but at the end of the day, they're going to show up. They're going to get paid. They're going to have their little fun. And then they go go back home. So yeah. it is what it is at this point. And I think the NBA is honestly doing their best to just uphold their traditional standards. That's true. That's true. I can agree with that. It's yeah. upsetting, but I'll agree. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. And before we end this podcast, there has been breaking news, like we mentioned at the beginning. Candace Parker is leaving the LA Sparks. She will be heading home to Chicago to play for the Sky. I mean, I can't even believe I'm saying this. It's kind of like to me, Candace Parker and the LA Sparks has always been like synonymous. They just go together. And mm-hmm. I cannot believe after 13 seasons that she's not going to play for the Sparks. And it's going to be so weird to see her like in a different uniform. But um, I mean, Chicago must be happy because they're getting a WNBA champion, WNBA finals MVP, two time. WNBA MVP like they're getting such WNBA defensive player of the year that just happened last season so I Mm -hmm. feel like they are getting such a package for Candice Parker it sucks to say this because like she I feel like her championship win with the Sparks was such such a moment for me and such a moment for um the Sparks because they had been going they had not won in such a long time and to do it with the player you drafted after so long and so much effort that she has put into the city, into the team, and to be such a contribution to that team and that win, I feel like it's it's amazing. And it sucks. It really does suck to see her go. It sucks to see her go. But it just makes, it makes the sky better. And the Sparks, I don't know where they're at right now. They, I feel like they only have seven players in their current roster, so they have some, they got some work to Holes do. To fill. Mm-hmm. What do you think? How did this news shock you? I mean, I the, all of WNBA free agency, I was like waking up every day like, what? What? What's happening? <laughs> like, I felt like that guy, I don't know if you ever seen the SpongeBob episodes, like, what are you selling? Chocolate? And it was like, in the WNBA, like, what are you selling all your players to other teams? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. Uh, yeah. This was definitely the biggest year for movement, I feel like, for all the teams and, and talks of the expansion. So I, mm-hmm. it feels like players were like, okay, this is the year. Just do it or don't, you know, risk it all, whatever, YOLO. And that's how Candace Parker felt. And I mean, after 13 seasons and like you said, winning that championship and not being draft number one overall and all these, I mean, the list of accolades for her is like goes on and on and on and on. And she is hands down one of the best WNBA players already in history. They could vote her into the Hall of Fame tomorrow. And I don't think anybody would argue the fact that, that she does she deserves to be there. Um, she was passed the torch by Lisa Leslie, another historic, historic player. Uh, Candace was the second to ever dunk behind Lisa Leslie and the first to dunk twice in the WNBA. So not only has she made a name for herself as a WNBA player, but she's named she's made a way for herself as an inspirational woman in sports. Just all together and she deserves a statue and a monument and uh, inscribe her name on the wall and the staple centers I don't I don't care what you need to do yeah. but please honor this woman because without her they would have not won that 2016 championship and that was the first time they won a championship since 2002 so yeah. like you said it was a momentum 
it was just a momentum shift for LA, but I I think after they hired Derek Fisher and the fact that he moved into this role as a GM after their kind of like awkward mm-hmm. last like two years or so, and then you know they had that issue where he sat her out in that last few minutes of a, a I think it was like a playoff or national championship clinching game. It was a very important game, um, and he benched her and I. One, I still still don't think that's the right call. And Candace Parker was very respectful of it as far as, you know, he's the coach. I'm going to do what he wants. But I think underneath she was boiling like a hot kettle. And that was probably why one of the reasons why she was motivated to leave. Uh, She apparently consulted Kevin Durant and Dwayne Wade Mm -hmm. um, about her making decision and they gave her the advice to to follow her heart. And she said after this pandemic and everything that happened in LA, as far as the shutdowns and, you know, just the scariness of it all, she felt like she needed to be back home. And I think that's completely acceptable for, uh, you know, a WNBA MVP and a five-time all-star and she give her her freedom, let her fly. But yeah, LA is, gonna miss her and she I don't know I just don't know who's who's gonna be their next player to keep that momentum going I think the Sparks are gonna have a lot of rebuilding to do after Candace and they they probably should have appreciated her just a little bit more because after 13 seasons I mean I'm sure she's only gonna want to play a few more years she's 35 now so I'm sure she's not she's gonna retire in Chicago. You know, you could tell that this is probably the end of the road for her and she wanted to be the most comfortable, like, you know, other superstars wanna be like Tom Brady and LeBron. I thought he was gonna honestly stay with, with the Cavs, but then he was like, I'm gonna retire in LA. But <laughs> it's the same ideas, like once you yeah. get to the end of your career, you wanna be uh as comfortable as possible. And I think that's what Candace was trying to do. Yeah, I feel like she's also kind of like paving the way for WNBA players to go where they want to go and like earn that kind of respect to leave a team if they want to. Because, I mean, it's shocking for us, like 13 years with the Sparks, it's a long time. But, you know, I feel like there's going to be a lot of people that say, well, like, you know, did she did she move away? Like, did she leave because of those issues from the Sparks? And like, don't get it twisted. She did what she was supposed to do with the Sparks. Like, she went in there, took her time. She won. She broke records. She made a name for herself. So let her go wherever she wants to go. And if that's the Chicago sky, then, like, more power to her. And I feel like she, as what she's doing, she's not only empowering herself, but other WNBA players who maybe don't want to shake the room too much. Like, they're already kind of not seen at the tier that they're meant to be seen Mm -hmm. so I feel like this kind of says like you know what I know my worth and I know like you and like you said like she probably doesn't want to say it but you freaking you benched me you think like or maybe you don't want to pay me enough I that's fine I'll go to where I'm respected and I'm wanted and if that's to her hometown then I feel like she can she should go wherever she feels comfortable and I'm glad that you know that everybody's kind of rallying around her just because mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many other things that could be said, but she should go where she feels like she has to go. And it's not 
based on other stuff. Like she said, like I can go where I want. And there's so much power to that phrase for her that I feel like she's kind of setting the tone. And like you mentioned, she's just an overall like Hall of Famer period. So for her to do that, I feel like allows other people, other players, I mean, to do to do the same thing. Like should their time come if they don't want to be with a team or they feel like a contract needs to be broken or whatever. Because I mean, in the NBA, Harden didn't want to play with the Rockets. He caused all this like drama to finally get himself traded. And I feel like that's not really heard about in the WNBA. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because they don't really want to rock the boat so much. But with Parker doing this, I feel like she's like, I'm going to rock the boat, turn around, and let's see what happens. Like, um, I'm going to do me. And I feel like she deserves it after bringing a championship to the ladies. She deserves to do whatever she wants to do. I mean, I'm sad. To, as an L.A. native, Sparks have kind of been the, the team around here. And it sucks to see her go. But she's just such a great player that I will watch her wherever she goes, basically. Because to me, she she was the Sparks. Like, you know, the, yeah. like, I didn't really watch it for anybody else but her. And before her, like you mentioned, Lisa Leslie. That's probably the only reason why I watched them. So to see her gone, I wonder what the Sparks are going to do to, I don't know. They feel like they're going to be in a very deep rebuild because they only got seven players now. They have a coach GM kind of vibe going over there. I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I totally agree with what you're saying as far as Candace like saying, I, I know what I'm worth and I'm going to fight for that. Uh, and just women in general, not even the WNBA, but women in general always have, I feel like, that extra fight to fight as far as I have to work two times harder to get to where other people are and then I have to you know, negotiate three times harder to get what I know that I deserve. And Parker um, is the largest free agent uh, acquisition for the Sky, and she signed for three hundred and eighty-five thousand uh, in total. That's what the Chicago Sun Times is reporting. But you know, when you think about the best players in the league for the NBA, they probably make three hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars in a month. <laughs> Let alone, I, I think she's signed maybe a, a few years. So it's just like people have to understand and and feel the reverberations of women in the WNBA and other sports and wherever. Just saying like, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna settle for less. I I know what I'm worth, um, and I I know that I'm good enough to go where I need to go, where I want to go, and get paid what I should get paid. Uh, because I'm not afraid to say that. So, yeah, Kenneth Parker is amazing, and L.A. will miss her. I am positive of it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Like, if she's going to be historic regardless, so I think this just adds more to the legacy of Candace Parker, and she's setting the tone. She's definitely setting the tone, which I appreciate. And that's on period. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I think that's all we got. That's it. That's what we got. I could close it out. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, thank you for coming to another episode of West Coast Mix and Bounce. We appreciate y'all so much coming through. We're on episode 34, I think. And yeah, I mean, we just keep doing it because we love it. And we hope you guys love it, too. And we'll see y'all on the next episode. Again, I'm Bronna Marks, and I'm with... Leslie Torres. We'll catch y'all later.
Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>